eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Pat Adams, still not a great official time. Although, last time he, he made so many mistakes for both teams, it ended up being about neutral time. You gotta just survive when you can time. When's better than a lost time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly but pleasant sunny Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena where last night the 18th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers overcame a 13-point deficit to defeat rival Florida uh, before what was more or less a packed house at Thompson Bowling Arena, maybe a couple empty seats here and there. But uh, basically, basically a full house, a raucous, a raucous event. Uh, the, it, it was not 6 o'clock Eastern. It's an early start time on the weekday. So it was a little bit of a late arriving, late arriving cl- crowd, understandably. But uh, things got going later. Tennessee got it going later and found a way to win the game. Plenty to talk about that in this episode. So, of course, you know where, where we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go about 15 or so miles south, go down to the Blount County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7, down there in Merville, get to the one and the only Grant Ramey. Grant, what's going on, man? Listen, I'm old enough to remember when you had a 7 o'clock or you had a 9 o'clock. If you got a 7 o'clock, you were thankful, and if you got a 9 o'clock, you complained about it. And then it was a big deal when the SEC Network or ESPN or whoever snuck in a 6.30 start time that one year. And that became kind of a little bit more normal. It's going to happen a couple times. I don't know when they snuck in the 6 o'clock start times. I think they, if they swept that one under the rug. But, I mean, in seven years, six and a half years covering Barnes, there's never been a 6 o'clock Wednesday night game. And I thought this was a one-off thing. And then I looked at the February schedule and Vanderbilt's a 6 o'clock game uh, when they come to Knoxville. So, whatever the reason, I agree. Uh, impressive crowd. They, they arrived late, and I don't blame them because it's tough to get there at 6 o'clock on a weeknight, but it was loud. And, and I, when I looked up and, and there was people at the top of the 300 level, I was impressed. Yeah. I hope they're not doing anything with, with, you know, the, the good portion of the league that's in the, the central time zone, 
with those games because that's a five o'clock central start. That's man, that's I hope they don't do that to teams over there because I mean that's you're you're still at the tail end of rush hour at, at that point. I mean that's that's rough. But regardless, what also was rough was Tennessee's start to that game. The Vols, you know, they go up there and they make I think four of their first five shots or something like that. But they also have an incredible amount of turnovers. And they look up, and it is Florida 23, Tennessee 10. And you're thinking, oh, okay, so it's going to be one of those kinds of nights. Uh, but Tennessee sort of whittled it down a little bit, got it got it closer. Then Florida gets it back to 8 at the break. Florida gets it up to 10 early in the second half. And you just kind of wonder, when is this thing, is this thing going to turn? And if so, when? Well, Tennessee started to get it going. A couple of guys made some big plays. The, the Vols take the lead midway through the second half on a uh, on a reverse layup, a slick reverse layup from Santiago Vescovi, and uh, they they never again surrender the lead. It it still got uncomfortable at times. Uh, it was still a game into the final thirty seconds. Tennessee's late game sort of managed the lead offense was garbage a lot of the time. Uh, just didn't get didn't didn't get didn't get nearly enough good looks out of that. Had a bad turnover in backcourt late in the game, but Tennessee never lost the lead and never even, it never was tied. And Florida obviously never took the lead. Tennessee holds on wins. That's three games in a row. And now Barnes is 27 and 11 overall against Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Florida and has a winning record against all three. He's eight and two against Florida, won seven of the past eight. Um, not the most gorgeous win, Grant, but the win over rivals is a win over a rival in my book. It is, and there's one thing to miss shots um, and to let another team go on a run. There's another – it's a whole different planet to be on in terms of problems when you don't even get shots off. They went from 16-35 in the first half to 11-41, I believe, between shot attempts. Like, did not get one off from the floor over five minutes while Florida went on that 15-0 run. And during that stretch, they had seven turnovers. Seven turnovers with zero shots taking is something I've never seen. It's something Rick Barnes said he's never seen. He's been doing it a long time. So to come back and win that game, and it felt like the whole time. Tennessee was dominating rebounds. They were shooting the ball well. They were playing good enough defensively if they could just cut out the turnovers. Some of those Florida shots that fell in the first half, the banked-in 35-footer, and kind of just the, the degree of difficulty that they're getting some shots off and making them, you knew that was probably going to dry up a little bit. So it did, and Tennessee took care of business. And, and for whatever reason with this team, I don't know, they, they, it's, it's never boring. Uh, it's rarely the same thing twice. But, but more specifically over the last week and with these three wins, it's like their secret to success is technicals or getting face-to-face with opponents. or I mean, they just don't like each other. They, they got physical with Vanderbilt when Vanderbilt went after Santi last week. Um, they all the pregame stuff with LSU, which is a, another subject, kind of the bizarre nature of what happened before that game, and th- those two teams having to be separated uh, during the layup lines pregame, and then um, these two teams, Florida and Tennessee, having to be separated going off the floor, just like Tennessee and LSU was, and then the stuff after the game where Tyree Appleby looks like he was ready to kill somebody, and then go after the students uh, one time, and then a second time, and the third time, he was basically drug into the visiting tunnel just to get him out of there because he was losing his mind. So I don't know what it is about this team with their attitude, with their, the edge they have, the the fiery kind of nature they've had the last week, but they need to bottle it up. And if they can avoid the technicals, it'll keep working for them. 
Yeah, it's almost like this team, and Rick Barnes has done this before, where he gets a team full of, you know, nice guys. Uh, where he and, and we've said this before that, that it's not like they're they're all choir boys, but you know they're not all sitting there you know being altar boys all the time. But but you look at them, and Barnes recruits a certain type. Uh, they've not gotten in trouble with authorities really ever that, that I can remember during his tenure. They've they've gotten good grades. When you speak to the guys, they're all they all speak well. They all you know, or, or come from, you know, good families. Not that you can't be a, a good guy from a, from a bad, you know, tough family or a tough guy from a great family. It's just, a, it's just the kind of guys they've recruited have been pretty nice. And Barnes has had a problem in the past with saying, okay, maybe these guys are too nice. Maybe these guys need to get a little bit of toughness. Cause I mean, if, if the right Reverend Rick Barnes is having to say, maybe your team needs to get a little bit meaner. You know, they really probably should tell you something. Uh, But it looked to me like I don't know that there's ever like just a just a flip the switch moment. But I will say, if you go back to that Vanderbilt game, there was that time where you had the four technicals right there all at the same time, two on each team. And it started when there was another little kind of post play shove on Vescovy. And he just was like, I'm I'm done with this. People have been doing this to me for three or four weeks now. I'm tired of it. I'm getting you back. I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. And he got a technical. And since then, every time somebody's kind of gone chest to chest or mouth off with this team, there have been repercussions for it. Uh, Because LSU, um, that game, I think it's fair to say LSU – instigated a lot of that now did Tennessee have to respond the way it did that's a that's totally a fair discussion that we could have all day long I think they were fair to other people might not but they were not the instigators in that situation Uh, LSU from the top down came into that building that day to be the 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 turd in the punch bowl and they wanted to be that and they they've done that throughout the Will Wade era that's their MO and Tennessee was like no we're not having that today uh, Florida, it looked to me like, again, last night, Vescovy was kind of getting jawed at and getting shoved. He was getting pushed around. He was getting held. And he, he and Appleby went after it after that loose ball there for a minute uh, to get those technicals in the first half. And Vescovy said he didn't say anything. The replays say otherwise. He and Appleby were definitely saying something to each other. I don't know what it was, but they were saying something to each other. And, and they got a technical for it. And then you had the, the brouhaha again at halftime and after the game. So I don't know that uh, Tennessee in any of those three games has been the, you know, quote, instigator, end quote. I, I don't know that that's been the case or not. Looks to me like it hasn't been most of the time. But they're definitely not going to take it anymore. And if that is what gets them an edge, Grant, Rick might have to grin and bear it. Because if this is what gets this team over the hump from being a nice guy, and this is what gets this team meaning, this is what gets this team results, roll with it, I think. I think 100% Rick should say, don't get technicals, but do what you got to do. Keep this edge, keep this emotion, keep this fire, just don't get the technicals. And I'm looking at you, Uros Plasic, because he flirts with technicals all the time. He does stuff throughout games where it's just, it's good to have that fire, but you better have it kind of reeled in a little bit to where you're not costing your team. And they need him. They've they've shown over the last uh, few games they've needed him. 
I think this goes back a few days before Vanderbilt and what happened at Rupp Arena in Lexington in the way they just got embarrassed. I mean, this team just – I mean, there's no other way to say it. They got embarrassed. Uh, Kentucky shot the lights out. Tennessee turned it over. Tennessee gave up a ton of transition points, a ton of points off of turnovers. Tennessee couldn't have played worse, and Kentucky couldn't have played better. And I think they went to Vanderbilt, and they obviously – you know, you're trying to bounce back from that kind of performance and win that kind of game at Vanderbilt. But I do think it started there with Vandy when they got physical – uh, with Santi, and, and they were doubling him, and everybody's going to double him every night because of what he's done and how consistently he does it. I mean, he's the best player on this team, and it's not close. And and the way I think he came back to one of those huddles at Vanderbilt, and he verbalized in not so friendly language that he's not going to take that stuff anymore, and he's going to you know he's going to fight back. And I think this team, you know, Urosh is going to have your back because he's Urosh, and he's always wanting to do that stuff. Zakai Ziegler's five foot nine; he's not going to back down from anybody. Apparently, the stuff after the horn against Florida Wednesday night started with some kind of, you know, short joke about uh, Zakai. Uh, I don't exactly know what happened or what was said or, you know, kind of what physically was done. But I mean, Zakai scored 11 points off the bench and, and had as many rebounds at five foot nine as, as Florida's leading rebounder had in the game. And, I would be and, pissed off too. And, and then he jumped on to a chair to gator chomp them after being called <laughs> short, which might be one of the funniest flexes I've seen in a while, but go on. And there's there's weird history between Florida because last season Tennessee went to Florida and they got throttled, lost by twenty five, and that, that was like the the night where their season ran off the rails and, and nothing was really the same after that. And then Florida came to Thompson Bowling Arena for senior day and that was John Fulkerson's you know, when he's crying after the game and Keontae Johnson and Mike White are on the floor clapping for him. And it looked like some, you know, a nice feel-good sportsmanship moment. And then they play a few days later in the SEC tournament, no more pain, gives him two elbows, uh, and, and he's done for the year. So there's weird history there between Tennessee and Florida. And LSU, that bizarre situation I referenced earlier, there's a GA for LSU like an hour before tip-off to, to make the story quick. He's working out Efton Reed on Tennessee's end of the floor because nobody from Tennessee's out there. And as is kind of usually the case, Tennessee's managers, when nobody's out there on their end of the floor, they'll just shoot around because they got basketballs in their hand. They're on a basketball court. What else are you going to do? Yeah. So this GA working out, Efton Reed did not like this for some reason. So he starts by rebounding the balls that the managers have shooting and rolling them off the floor. And he does that a few times. <laughs> and finally, he gets heated and, and he starts getting rebounds and he just starts heaving them, chucking them into section 120 for, I mean, how is that ever? Which is such a, it's such a hilarious heel move that I, it's hot. Right. God, it's brilliant. And Tennessee didn't have anybody out there besides those student managers. And I think video coordinator, uh, Brian Lentz, I, I hope that's, I uh, got his title correct. He was out there and I think he, he and, and some, some people from the LSU end of the floor kind of came down and, and kind of got in the middle of it because it was getting a little contentious and they were separate sides and, and going on their ways. So then Tennessee coaches and players come out for, for layup lines and warm-ups a little later on, and they, they hear kind of, you know, the secondhand story about what just happened 30 minutes ago or whatever. And then some of those guys have some words about what they would have done if they were out there, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, there is history with LSU. There's weird history with Florida. Now there might be history of Vanderbilt. But whatever it is, this Tennessee team, just keep doing it as long as you don't cost yourself. Um, like Santi – you know, he can't get a second, a second technical going off the floor against Florida and be ejected from that game because he's Tennessee's best player. He's the best shot maker. He rebounds, he's assists, he does everything. So they got to walk that line between kind of that bad boys piston vibe uh, without picking up technicals right and left. 
Yeah, before we go to break here, Grant, my, my final question about that that stuff is, and, and I think you bring up a really good point with Plavsic because he, he walks that line all the time, and, and sometimes he walks over it and gets a technical. And, and, and you don't always need to do stuff. Like if you're mouthing off at the opposing bench, a lot of times you're going to get popped for that. Now, he, he did get popped in the head or fouled in the head, and maybe that led to it. But my, that, that's not my point. Or my question. My question is this: On some level, doesn't every basketball team have the need for one guy with a screw loose? I'm not talking like Ron Artest necessarily. I'm not talking like Dennis Rodman necessarily. You know, Bill Lambeer. But but a guy who is just kind of you know, if you watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he's the wild card. He's Charlie, right? You just don't know what he's gonna do. I, I think, especially if that guy mostly doesn't start stuff, but he responds to stuff, I, especially if it's a guy who's not like a double-double guy or averages 15 points a game, I think there's real value to a guy who, even if he gets a couple technicals here or there, I think there's value for a guy like that on the team because he makes you uncomfortable when you go into the paint. He, he makes you uncomfortable just you're like what's this seven foot one serbian gonna do here i don't want to you know i mean it just makes you a little bit hesitant i think there's value in that i think there's 100 percent value because what this team's problems seem to be when they were struggling um you know i don't want to call them soft but it kind of seemed like they were a soft basketball team like they didn't respond the way they should have responded to adversity and it was like they uh, when when something bad happened they just started thinking about how bad it was whatever was going on instead of trying to find a way um, to respond to. And, and everybody has their opinion about Will Wade and the LSU basketball program that he's built. I think one of their strongest characteristics at LSU is they don't care. It's us against the world. They don't give a crap about nothing. And I think there's a confidence that comes with that and an edge that comes with that that makes them play better on the road, at home, whatever the situation is. Um, I think Tennessee needed a lot of that. They needed, you know, you said choir boys. Yeah, they need less choir boy characteristics and more whatever they've done the last uh three games characteristics and Urosh like against Arizona Tennessee was on a run against Arizona Urosh was on the floor telling the Arizona bench y'all need to take a timeout like don't do that and and at halftime when the halftime horn it was objectively funny but don't do it at at the halftime horn he turned around against Arizona and clapped in the face of Benedict uh Mathurian or however you say his name the the guy that was torching Tennessee in that game don't do that like do your thing but disguise it better be that tough guy, but but try to get away with it a little more. Don't make it so easy for, for a technical to be issued against you. And, and yeah, it was probably two-sided against Florida Wednesday night, but they usually get the guy that retaliates, not the guy that starts it. So keep that edge, but just be smart about it to where it doesn't cost you a, a game or in a huge moment. But again, if you're Zakai Ziegler and you just beat a team and the other team calls you short or makes cracks at you in the post-game handshake line – you are within your rights, legally speaking, to go stand on a chair and gator chomp them because that is, one, hilariously disrespectful, and two, objectively funny because you're saying, am I tall enough, am I tall enough for you to see me now? Can you see me chomping you off the court now? Uh, so, again, I mean, it's these are rivals. They're not supposed to be best friends. I, I, I have no problem with it. Uh, I think it if it's what fuels this team forward, hey, man. Embrace it. The good thing is, with LSU in this league, you can never really be the bad boys because you can't do it worse than them. It's like you know, it's like it. You know, you're in like 
you're in prison, you're like, you're not the worst dude in this block. No matter what you do, you are not the worst dude in this block. So uh, LSU is there. So there's plenty more to talk about. I think we could talk a little bit more about Vescovy and what he's doing. I think we could talk about upcoming weekend. Obviously, a lot going on with Rick Barnes going back to Austin. There's a lot to discuss there. And just sort of how much hay is in the barn for Tennessee right now because the toughest part of the schedule in the – the regular season is now in the rear view. So now looking forward, uh, what can Tennessee do to capitalize on this and keep staying in the right direction? Be right back to talk about all that and more. Hashtag ad. Money! Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ad you just heard from a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Grant Rucker coming to you from the Go Vols 24-7 Blount County office down there in Merville on a... Time out. Time out. I'm not your brother. What did I say? You just, you just called me Grant Rucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. Don't cut it. It's hilarious. That is funny. We'll, we'll leave cut it, in. it. We'll leave it in. Yes, we'll leave, leave it, it in. in. My brother, awesome. for, for people who don't know that, my brother's name is Grant Rucker, and I joke all the time that it's hard for me to say either to not call one of them the other, and in my phone, I put my brother as stupid McMoron in my phone <laughs> so I'd make sure that I don't accidentally text or call the wrong one, which Grant will tell you I used to do pretty regularly uh i would text the wrong one the wrong thing i would be like hey um what what time are you what time are you planning on dropping that story or what time and then my brother would be like uh i don't write stories <laughs> idiot <laughs> so, and he doesn't podcast either. Yeah, here we are. yeah he's not the, so here so here we are but uh yeah it's it's funny so so uh west Rucker, let, let, let me tell you though it's only going to get worse with a dad brain because I used to make fun of my mama for doing it or my aunt for doing it, calling us by the wrong names like multiple times, like going through each kid before she got to the right name. I do it now with my own children. Yeah. So it's only going to get worse. And and that's funny because there's one male and one female. <laughs> so. Right. And I still get them wrong. <laughs> anyway, coming to you from uh, Fort Rucker Studio and the Blood County Satellite Office down in Merville on a on a, a, a chilly but uh, but but sunny and mostly pleasant uh, late January afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Going to get back to Tennessee basketball, but before we do that, 
Uh, just a quick reminder, guys, if you could take about a minute out of your day or right now, maybe 90 seconds out of your day, and go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, uh, that would help us out a good bit. If you're just listening on the website, there's nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there and you you rate and review and you subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, uh, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this very GoVoss 24-7 podcast. Uh, we do this for free, and, and we're happy to do it. It's labor of love, but that's all that we ask for is that you do those things and tell your friends. And if you're already doing that, thank you. If not, go yourself. That's, that's the motto. Sticking to it. Um, and people might say, that's a little bit rude. No, I think it's rude to not rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast since it's for free. What is, what is, you want us to go to your, to your house or into your car and sit in the back seat and give you like the live Dolby sound version of it? I mean, come on, we'll guys. Come we'll on. We'll do it. Well, yeah, we, we might. So we'll be, that'll be a sweet, <laughs> we'll that'll, that'll, we'll be, yeah, that'll be a sweepstakes offer. Go Voss 24 seven podcast. We're in your trunk. Yeah, that, that's, that'll be our next motto. Grant, uh, there, there is a lot of things to talk about with this Tennessee basketball team. And I wrote a column after the game last night saying, listen, are things really as bad as people say they are? you still got a team that's ranked number 11 in the net rankings, number 14 in Kim Palm, 5-3, and three, so top four in the SEC right now with, with the toughest road games already have been having been played. Uh, still some tough road games left and still a couple of really tough home games left. But uh, I don't think things are quite that bad. And I think one of the reasons that things are not quite that bad is because uh, Santiago Vescovi has been a machine this season. He, he has always – Rick Barnes has always thought the upside for this player was just enormous. And he came in being pretty good. And it was fair to think at the time, or it was at least fair to question, you know, this guy can, can develop, he can get better – but he's already so kind of technically polished that maybe he sort of is what he is, right? He's a really good, really solid player uh, who needs to get better defensively, you know, maybe it'll get a little bit tougher. But technically, he's so polished that that he's already, this might be as good as he, as he is offensively. No, he's gotten significantly better offensively now, making plays all over the floor, making so many more plays defensively. I mean, he's one of the best players in this league right now. He's very uh, underrated uh, nationally and, and conference on the conference level. I wrote this uh, on the board in response to somebody's question. Is he the best player on this team? I think he's a 1,000% the best player on this team. The way he consistently knocks down shots, the way he consistently scores, there's only been uh, maybe three or four games where he's been held under single digits. And when he scores double digits, it feels like it's a lot closer to 20 than it is to 10. I mean, the – how he hits shots consistently, how he hits from the three-point line consistently. He's always got good assist numbers. Um, I don't know what his turnovers are, uh, numbers are. Uh, I, I would assume he's not the worst on the team there. Um, and he's a really underrated rebounder, in my opinion. I think he's one of the better rebounders on the team. He comes up, he just knows where to be. Um, obviously, he does not have tremendous size or, or strength or anything like that, but he, he finds a way to get good rebounds as well. So the transformation, or I guess the progress that he's made year over year, is pretty crazy to me. I mean, Rick Barnes says it all the time. He's in elite shape. He, he runs more in practice, him and Zakai, than any other players on the roster. And he's he's double teams. He's pushed. He's physical more than anybody else on this roster. He's going to be 100% the game plan focus for just about any team that Tennessee plays. If you can take out Santi, you can take out a big chunk of their scoring. Um, and he still finds ways to get his shots off. He still finds a way to get good shots off. 
Um, he can score in transition like that reverse layup he had for the go-ahead points against Florida. I mean, he can do a lot of different stuff, and he just kind of keeps doing it night in and night out. Yeah, and he, he last night, uh, I noticed this again, and it's not uncommon for people to do things to Chandler. Like, you know, LSU face-guarded Chandler for 94 feet with two guys, <laughs> which is which makes your life a living hell if you're a point guard. I mean, that's about, you know – it did lead to Tennessee getting some buckets when it wiggled through that, but but it led to some problems. But last night, Florida was not the first team to do this, but I noticed it more against Florida. Florida would not only get really, really physical with Vescovy, like, you know, bump him anytime he went through a screen, anytime, you know, they'd pull at his jersey, they'd tug him, they'd give him a little shove in the back. He, he gets physical quite a bit. I know that's not a word, but, but he gets physical quite a bit. And not just that. When Florida was on offense, I noticed this on several possessions, they would kind of spread out, what do you call it, four round one or whatever you whatever you want to call that sort of some of that some of those looks, and they would figure out who Vescovy was guarding. And that guy ran around like a chicken with his head cut off, and they made Vescovy chase him. And they would do this for 15, 20 seconds at times. If you go back and watch, they really do. They have a guy run around and he runs around all these different screens and clearly this is like a designed play it looks like a guy's running like a slalom course and he's just running around picks and they're making Vescovy chase him the entire time and basically what they are doing on both ends of the floor they're doing everything they can to make life hell for Santiago Vescovy because that's how important when you watch film of Tennessee that's how important he is to that team. You, you got to get him off the floor because he will get some early fouls. And that's, that's one bugaboo of his game that he's got to fix. Uh, and he's by far their most important player offensively, especially now when Fulkerson is really, really being John Fulkerson, when he's, when he's physically right, when he's in, when he's in the, the mood, he's the guy who that whole inside out offense runs through. And, and so he, he's the guy who is, you, you got to kind of star him. But right now, without question, it's Vescovy. And he's still doing good things on a game-by-game basis. I mean, if he hadn't gotten in foul trouble last night, what would he have dropped 30-plus? I mean, just the way right. he was shooting, the way he was. But, you know, he's, he got himself in foul trouble, and he's got to got to get rid of that. But I, I think just – it's just funny because, Grant, I don't know what you thought when he was a freshman, but I kind of wondered if this was – some version of him even at his best, but it, it, that, it wasn't even close. I mean, the first time we saw him practice uh, was like three days after he got to campus. He, he just steps in and starts knocking down a bunch of shots. And the first time he's played, he, he started against LSU that game where he'd only been on campus a week. And since he had been without Lamonte, and I think he made six threes in that game. And it was like, who is this guy? And yeah, he, he you know, he had some lulls in there where you kind of wondered like, what's this guy going to do? Like, it seemed like last season, anytime since he had a really bad game, uh, you would kind of look at the box score and be like, where'd Santi go? And, and there were those games where he would he would put up 20. Like, I think at, at Texas A&M, he had a bunch of shots uh, last season, and they won that game basically because of Santi, if I'm not mistaken. So, But there's been it's, – it's night in and night out. I mean, you can go all the way back to, to November um, against Villanova in North Carolina. Even against Villanova when Tennessee got hammered in that game, Tennessee didn't stand a chance from the opening tip the way that game played out. Santi still got his. I think he had 20 in that game. Mm-hmm. And then he had, I think, 17 uh, the next day against North Carolina um, when some other players were scoring and they put some points on the board. So just the way he consistently hits shots, it, it seemed like for his career he was better with a hand in his face and he was better hitting big shots than he was just 
routine shot. Now it seems like he hits a lot of it pretty consistently. There, there are games where, you know, obviously you can go back to Texas A&M where Tennessee shot so poorly. Santi was involved in that as, as much as anybody else. I think Kennedy Chandler, he has the most upside. Obviously, he's going to have a really long NBA career. He's going to have a lot of success. There's crazy amount of talent that he has. I think he could learn something from Santi, like teach me how to get mine when, when nobody's going to let me get mine. Because right now, what we've seen from Santiago Viscovi is double teamed, ran around the floor, tried to get tired out. Whatever the opponent's doing to him, he's still going to find a way uh, to get his points. And that's what Tennessee needs from Kennedy Chandler going down the stretch here this season and whatever is next in, in Kennedy's future. He's going to have to learn to get his while being targeted by defenses because that's just – if you're an effective scorer, um, pr- productive on the offensive end in more ways than just scoring, teams are going to attack you. you got to figure out a way to produce like Santi has. And, and speaking of Chandler, he had 17 quiet points. If it's possible to have 17 quiet points, it seemed like he had 17 quiet points against Florida. And and I think part of that probably came from the fact that he missed those three shots right around the rim that you just can't miss. And, you know, that's something that for a guy who's as explosive as he is, I don't know if he's got voices in the back of his head or he's looking around the back, you know, you looking out the back of his head, something in transition there is bothering him because he's either throwing it down or if he's, if he's laying it up, there's something might be going wrong. Like he's looking over his back shoulder or he's worried about contact Whatever it is, they got to get that ironed out because he has 23 instead of 17 last night if he just hits those layups. And and so, um, but still, uh, Zakai Ziegler, all the things that you know, Chandler was was thought to be, and the hope was that he would be an absolutely true, complete point guard from day one. Uh, and he is close to that. He really is close to that. He is not quite there yet, but he he is closer than people think but what's offset that is that Zakai Ziegler combined with Chandler does give you a pretty flawless freshman point guard when you put the two of them together Uh, because last night uh, there were a couple things in that game that really really bailed them out Uh, Ziegler was the one who got them off the mat when it was 23 to when they were down 23 to 10 I mean Ziegler was the guy who made a couple of those plays boom 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 to get him right back in it at one point Late in the first half, he was out-rebounding Florida's entire team by himself. Uh, he had a, a blocked shot that led to a three-pointer. He blocked a shot last night that led to that the transition three from, from Chandler on the other end. That was big. And, and then uh, Vescovi coming back in with two fouls late in the first half, hitting those two threes. And Barnes really smartly managing the game by getting him in and out offense-defense. That, that, that was big. Um, but those two things, I'm not sure – Tennessee wins the game without both of those things. And and so a, a lot of things go into a win, and that's certainly one of them. That's Those are important things, and it's just hard not to be impressed with the way Ziegler's playing. The thing about Zakai, and I was telling this to somebody at Thompson Bowling after the game Wednesday night, it seems like Tennessee has faced so many Zakai Zieglers in recent years where they just get on your nerves, yep. and, and they, they affect the games in ways that just bother you. When, when you really don't need the game affected, they find a way to affect the game. And it feels like those guys are the guys that stick around for three or four years. And you're like, man, is this kid ever going to graduate and stop bothering this basketball team? It feels like Tennessee has faced so many of those guys. And now it's really nice. I mean, I had no idea he was going to produce and, and, and do so much as a freshman. I honestly thought Jemai Meshack would play a bigger role than Zakai Ziegler just because we didn't know anything about Zakai when he got here because he got here so late. And it's such a unique story. Um, the big thing with Kennedy Wednesday night against Florida – six for six of the free throw line. I mean, that's what he's got to be every single night. 
he was shooting, I think, 45% um, from the free throw line in SEC play before Wednesday night. And and he was, Rick Barnes said it on Monday, he was just falling away. He was not finishing his free throw. He wasn't holding his follow through. He just wasn't concentrating. And he gets to the line more than any Tennessee player. And since he doesn't get to the line a ton as a team, so if he's going to get there the most, he's got to make way more than, I think he's 60% on the year entering the Florida game. He's got to shoot at a way better clip than that at the free throw line. So, yeah, he's got to make those easy layups more than anything. He's got to keep making free throws. Yeah, t- Tennessee was not getting to the free throw line nearly as much when you take away Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer and then when John Fulkerson gets sick uh, the, the and loses some of his physical energy and strength. Those three things take away a lot of free throws because those guys were at the free throw line a lot uh, last year. And, and, and so those are things that are that are definitely going to be uh, an issue, something Tennessee, you know. But I'll say this before we move on and finish up with talking Texas. I, I think it's important to note, and, and Rick Barnes said this, and I don't think he's wrong. I'm not sure they win that game last night without John Fulkerson, the, the, the big plays. He had that uh, the, the, the YMCA looking M1 there. That uh, I'm pretty sure my boy Peter Burns from SEC Network stole my line there, but that's all right. I'll uh, I send him a message. <laughs> we'll have a good laugh about that one. But but he had that. He had that. He had a couple of those big buckets late. Uh, he made a couple of nice you know plays and help defense. He he he. It looks like now he can't do that for several minutes at a time, but at least for certain possessions here and there, he can still give you that. I mean, if there was one good thing that came from from. Plavsic picking up that technical, and I think he only played a minute in the second half. Um, he didn't score. Um, I don't think he had – he maybe had one rebound. He didn't really impact the game at all last night. But the, the big thing about that was he did – him not being in the game gave John Fulkerson a chance to kind of flash a little bit of the old Fulky where he kind of looks like himself. And, yeah, I mean, you, you and Peter can have a good laugh about that in small claims court while you go after your intellectual property. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. in the final – whatever 10 minutes, whatever 15 minutes it was that Fulke scored some important points. I thought he scored some important points in the second half against LSU when they needed somebody uh, to step up and get a bucket. So it does seem like he's taking steps in in the right direction now. It's a matter of can Uro still produce, can Fulke still find time to produce, and kind of how do you mesh those two things? Yeah, and we should have asked Barnes this last night, but but you know, there's there's only a there's a finite amount of time you get after a game, and there's only so many questions you can ask. But one of the biggest turning points of that entire game last night was when uh, uh, Jatobo for Florida got poked in the eye or face or whatever, and he didn't come back because his plus minus was ridiculous. Florida was crushing it when he was out there, but without him out there, they they went more to Deruji at the five spot, and he is you know he's a unit, but he's only six seven. And I, I wonder if the second half was more Plossage being punished for being a bit of a dum-dum early in the game versus Jatobo's not out there really, and so you're playing more Deruji at the five, and then does that become the kind of game where you really want, you know, you saw, you saw a lot more of, of Josiah at the four and either, you know, Koma or or um, Fulkerson okay. at the five. And, and, and you saw more of that because that's the way Florida played. Florida went small, especially because Castleton couldn't play uh, with the shoulder injury. I believe it's the shoulder. And Jatobo <laughs> got poked in the, the eye or the face, and he couldn't come back. So, so Florida was playing small ball, and I think that probably led to quite a bit of it. But regardless, Tennessee got that win and needed to have it, and now uh, Tennessee has won seven of its past eight against Florida, which, again, there are so many things – 
that you could say, oh, is Barnes earning that salary? Well, you're worth whatever people are willing to pay you, and Tennessee's willing to pay Barnes what it pays Barnes. The bottom line is everyone would like to have more postseason success. It needs to happen at some point. But right now, Tennessee is beating its rivals more often than it isn't, and Tennessee is in the hunt for an SEC title and an NCAA tournament run every year. And my column last night was saying, listen, if you could go back between 1989 and 2004 in Tennessee football, Tennessee should have had more than one national title in that mix. Tennessee should have had more than the three or three or four SEC titles it had during that stretch. Should have had at least one more national title and at least maybe two more SEC titles. It didn't happen, and that led to so much frustration, consternation, you know, bitching at the time. It just did. Kind of like right now with Bama, every year they don't win a national title. It's like a it's like a problem now. But if you could go back in time now and relive that experience, those 15 years or 16 years, how much more would you savor the flavor of being in the championship hunt every single year, having a good recruiting class every single year, a big recruiting class every single year, and beating most of your rivals most of the time? Uh if you take out Tennessee, Florida football in the nineties, Tennessee beat all of its rivals pretty much every year and was always in the hunt every single year, winning double digit games, being there, winning the SEC title. If, if you want to go back and relive those era with football, you can't do that yet, but you can have that right now with basketball. And I just, there, there, some people just get negative right now. And I just don't, I understand it. I do, but guys, it's okay to want more. But don't take for granted the things that are happening right now because the, you can't take them for granted. You're in the hunt every year. Every year now, you're in the hunt. Every year, Thompson Bowling Arena is one of the best places in the country to go watch a basketball game. Every year, Tennessee's got a chance going into the tournament to do something. So, you know, just relax a little bit. Let's see where this thing goes. We don't know if it's going to be another postseason Barnes. We don't know. People said Elway would never win a Super Bowl. People said Dale Earnhardt would never win a Daytona 500. We don't know. We don't know. Nobody in the Ramey family said that. I can assure you. Yeah, well, there you go. I can, I can, <laughs> under, I can understand that. But, but seriously, because the reason I'm talking about that now is because Tennessee is going back to Texas uh, this weekend. And, and for a Big 12 SEC challenge, it's really kind of a, in this case, an SEC future SEC challenge. Uh, but Vol's going back to Austin, where Rick lived for 17 years, where his daughter and son-in-law and his grandchildren still live. His his wife is still there a lot of the years, seeing her grandchildren. You know that he goes there every Christmas. Still, I mean, that's you know his his big mega church down there that, that he's still involved with a little bit. He's still involved with churches here, obviously. He's Reverend Rick. I think he's involved in every church everywhere. But bottom line is, he's still got a lot of connections to that area. Uh, it has to be an emotional game for him. He can say all day long that it's not. I have to think it is because I know how much, and not necessarily Texas fans, but people around that Texas program, the boosters, some of the administration, the staff who work in the arena, the people, the support staffers in the program, some of those people would jump in front of a bus for Rick Barnes to this day. Um, A lot of them took the day off years ago when Tennessee was playing TCU, and Texas was playing that day. But they took the day off, Grant, and I think it was you who told me this, and they drove from Austin to Fort Worth to go see Rick that day. Uh, This will be an emotional game for him. I cannot imagine otherwise. 
Hey, and the same thing at uh, when he goes back to A&M or when he has in the past, he's had former Texas staffers, um, people that just worked in the basketball department in the offices in there that would go to Texas A&M to, to watch him coach against A&M. Um, for Rick, he publicly, he's going to make this. It's not about me. It's not about me. You know, I've been gone seven years. I've been at Tennessee seven years. I'm a Tennessee volunteer, like he said, Wednesday night after the Florida game. He admitted Texas is a big part of him, which obviously it is. That's where his family has roots now. Um, that's where he spent a huge chunk of his coaching profession and had a huge uh, success, really built his name uh, at a different level than he had at, at uh, Clemson and Providence and in the past. Um, at the same time, inside the locker room, I think Rick Barnes should 1,000% paint this as me against the world. Um, they did me wrong after 17 years here and what I did for them and build, helping build their basketball program to what it was because his players need to feel that level of disrespect or whatever if, even if you have to manufacture it, because unless I'm reading this wrong, this isn't going to be a thing where, where Barnes goes back and he gets booed by the Irwin Center crowd. No, no, he, no, no, no. He, there's going to be a video pregame. He's going to have a ton of former players in the, in the gym. I mean, this is going to be a, you know, pay homage to Rick Barnes for what he did for Texas basketball seven years later after things got awkward and the two sides parted ways and, and it didn't end very well. Um, that's how it's going to play out. But at the same time, if I'm inside the locker room, I'd be asking the players, you know, you guys need to have my back here because this is where I was for 17 years and I wasn't ready to leave or whatever. And, and it happened. I think he needs to manufacture that, even if it's not real, because his team plays better with an edge. When you look at Texas, they're a very similar team to Tennessee. Um, I think they're 15 in the Kimpom ranks. I think Tennessee's 14. Um, I think they're 15 and five. Tennessee's 14 and five. Uh, they've struggled. They lost three or four not too long ago. They've won a couple in a row since then. So they're in very similar positions. And Chris Ogden, who played for Rick uh, at Texas, coached with him at Texas, coached with him for one year, his first year at Tennessee, is on the Texas bench under Chris Beard. Uh, Rodney Terry's on that that Texas bench with Chris Beard, who yeah. coached for Barnes. Uh, there's a lot of familiar faces, familiar ties. It's, it's the final year of the Irwin Center. I think the SEC – uh, challenge the ESPN schedules this thing. I think they wanted this game for years. in the past, and Rick just wouldn't agree to it. I think he would agree to them coming to Knoxville, but that never happened. But now it's, you know, they're opening the Moody Center in the spring, this spring, I guess, and, and this is the last time, that the, the last year for the Irwin Center, so he agreed to it. He wanted to go back one more time. So it's going to be a big weekend for Rick, and I think he's going to downplay it publicly. Um, but inside those, those locker room walls, I would be making a big deal out of uh, him. Yeah, and I know we're getting ready to get out of here, but I will say that that it it's going to be all about Rick, and that's you know it's kind of like it when when Johnny Majors left Tennessee and kind of went to you know was it Iowa State or to back back to Pitt for a little bit. If those teams had come to Neyland Stadium, how much of a tribute there would have been for for Johnny Majors? Think about something of those lines. I mean, he is still someone who it didn't end well, but but there was some 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 frustration and and problems at the end, but still. Um, now enough time has passed that it's pretty much all love, except for the guys who were in charge when Barnes was, you know, refused to fire his staff, so he was dismissed at Texas. That that there there's some bad blood there still, but generally speaking, uh, not so much. I think there's there's I'm, more love there. But it's go ahead. I'm not sure anybody is still. I don't think from that administration. Mm-hmm. I, I guess they're not there because it, it kind of seemed funny to me that Rick. Wednesday night said there's not anybody on that campus he doesn't have respect for. And I, I was sitting there thinking, well, maybe that's because those people are no yeah. longer on campus. Yeah, because Pe- Peterson, Peterson and those guys are gone right. now, so he doesn't right. really Long care. Right, long gone. So. Yeah, but, so, but, yeah, la- but- yeah, last thing, it, it's not just Rick. I mean, it is Rick mostly. 
Um, but this is also Victor Baylor Jr., a homecoming game, and it's just unfortunate timing for him because he just – he played one minute, I think, last night. He's just kind of out of the rotation. He just kind of is, and it's it's tough. And maybe, you know, maybe he can get in there a little bit and do something Saturday. That would that would be nice to see for a guy going back to his hometown and a guy who still has a lot of talent that just hadn't come together. And that's that's frustrating for him that the guys like Ziegler and, and Powell have, have, have taken his spots. But, you know, there's that. And then also uh, Mike Schwartz, you know, a guy who, uh, you know, obviously has a lot of ties to Austin and, and the, the other UT also. So there's, there's a lot of, lot of connections for a lot of those guys. Mike's a cool story, one that I'm, that I'm trying to write. He went to Texas and walked on for Rick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. I think he played some junior college basketball and walked on for Rick. So from him to go from a walk-on to a video coordinator to climbing the ladder as an assistant coach to now being Rick's associate head coach for Etsy for the last few seasons – to being that guy that's next in line for a head coaching gig. I think it, he's another guy that's he's, he's 100% say it's not about me and it's not about me going back to Austin. But I think it will be cool for him to be part of this, to go back. He was on Rick's Final Four staff at, in a video coordinator role, if I'm not mistaken. So I think it's got to be cool for these guys. And it's, it's cool. This is always a cool weekend, in my opinion, in the SEC and the Big 12 Challenge. It just mixes things up kind of midway yeah. through the year. And, and for once, kind of finally, Tennessee's in that marquee slot, that 8 p.m. game that's usually reserved for Kentucky against whoever is the Big 12's best team. Now it's now it's Tennessee going to Texas and the Rick Barnes homecoming reunion, whatever. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's something that, that, that should be looked forward to. I've been looking forward to it for a while. I think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, fun game and a fun town. Lots and lots to – Lots and lots to enjoy, and we'll have more about it next week. There will be lots more to discuss about this and how it goes and where things go for the ball. So, Grant, I know you got to run out of here. I got to go do some things too. So, thanks for your time, man. Go, go do what you got to do. Get out. I got to go get my five gallon hat and my uh, uh, Stetson. Is that bang, what it's called? Bang, my, bang, bang, yeah. my my six shooters. I got. So I, I, I actually have a Stetson here. If you if you if you would like to borrow it. I'm just kidding, Delta. I'm not bringing my six shooters. <laughs> See you, buddy. Yep. And I just hit the hang up button so Grant couldn't hang up on me. Take that, Grant. Take that. Now, where's that button? There it is. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24 7 podcast. Thanks to Grant Ramey, not Grant Rucker, but Grant Ramey for joining us. And thanks, thanks to y'all for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else. You can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get tons and tons of stuff there. But if you want that best, most delicious, sparkling, clear, East Tennessee, Smoky Mountain, Spring Water, directly from the tap. You can get that at GoVoss247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, those guys kicking up here in just about 20 days or so, 22 days exactly, I believe. Lots and lots to discuss about those guys in the coming months. That's going to be another fun year, I think. Uh, Lady Vols coverage year-round with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. Those They just keep on winning. Just keep on winning. You know, Kelly Harper and that bunch, they've got something going on there. You can get all of that plus access to two forums that run round the clock all day long, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, discuss anything you want that's not political or religious in nature. 
with all of us on the staff and with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world in pretty much every single time zone. No matter what time of day it is, someone is up there wanting to talk Vols or talk life or talk whatever with you in a, in a fun way on those two forums. And right now you can get all that plus a couple dozen fresh content items a day, access to the best database around, certainly one of the best recruiting databases you'll ever see. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre mediocre lunch per month. And right now, we have a 60% off of an annual subscription sale right now. So if you hurry in today, tomorrow, hurry up, get there. 60% off, 60% off for a signing day special if you hurry up and go do that. That's a really good deal, one of the better ones we do throughout the year. Go check that out. And if you pay us, then you get access in perpetuity. As long as you're paying us, you get access to Paramount Plus, not CBS All Access. I almost did it again. Almost put another dollar in the jar. But Paramount Plus, a behemoth of a streaming platform. Everything CBS has ever done, commercial-free, tons of exclusive great shows. Uh, you know, 1883, Mayor of Kingstown, Picard, Evil, all kinds of great uh, exclusive shows on there. Plus, you get access to the vaults of, obviously, CBS, uh, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, all of that, plus fresh Hollywood movies, classic Hollywood movies, tons and tons of great stuff, live sports. So you get Vols, SEC, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, World Cup qualifying, so many freaking things. We're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year right now. Guys, you can't turn that down. If nothing else, you'll hear from us uh, early next week. So until then, be good to each other. Have basic human empathy and dignity. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.